the season of Advent in the, in the church calendar, as we've mentioned, encourages us to lean into a theme annually, a theme of waiting, of longing. And we want to do that once, once again. It's, it, the idea, I think, is, is helpful. It's like the idea that if we learn how to wait well, we, that, that's a really important core thing to living well. And if we don't learn how to wait well, we are going to be missing something because waiting is a part of life. And especially if we think about like how, uh, how faith matches that, if we're trying to be somebody who's living a spiritual lifestyle, uh, like unavoidably waiting for things is connected to praying for things, mm-hmm. right? If you're waiting for something and you're spiritual, you're going to like pray for that. Uh, and there are a lot of ways... Um, that I think we, if you've been around churches before or if you've just like lived in America and heard people talk about faith, uh, there are a lot of ways to make sense of that that we uh, have encountered, Haley and I, uh, probably that you've encountered. And some of them, I think, are really helpful. And then some of them are maybe a little bit harmful. And maybe that's been your experience too. And so we want to shine a light on both of those things, the harmful and the helpful, when it comes to perspectives on waiting, uh, prayer, spiritual stuff, Faith, Jesus, God, the Bible. What, what, is, what are helpful and harmful approaches to doing that? So, Haley, just to get us in, like, waiting, longing, what, what does that look like in life for you? Yeah, I mean, I think this is such a universal experience to just really be in spaces of longing for things to happen or things to end. When you posed this question, the first thing that came to my mind was being in labor and just wanting it to be over uh-huh. <laughs> and waiting and longing for that to end. Um, I think for most of my life, I've had a general just longing for answers and longing mm. for mm. control. And it's only been recently that I've been a lot more comfortable to sit in the discomfort of yes. not knowing, of not having that. Um, Definitely a general theme for me is mm-hmm. longing to know the future. Yeah. Um, and that one never comes to pass, right? No. But, uh, <laughs> but I, uncertainty drives me crazy. Um, I want, I want, I, that's why I think I like, I get obsessed with like, what, what is all the data I can take in to possibly make it seem like I know the future? Yeah. I don't. Or even longing just for a sense of direction, a sense yep. of what's next. Mm-hmm. Are mm-hmm. there other examples that come to mind? I mean, for absolutely. You? Like, like for, um, for a long time, like longing to be in a relationship when I was not in a relationship. And that I think is one that a lot of people experience if you're single and you've been single for a long time. Um, I think uh, longing to, I, I, I know people who are really longing to get pregnant and uh, just cannot. Mm-hmm. And that's, a, that's one that comes to mind for me. Or um, I mean, another that, that's very personal to me is um, I, I've lost a mother and a brother at this point. And there were periods of time where I was longing for them to get better. My brother was in a coma for a few days, longing for him to wake up, and it didn't happen. And so um, I can't help but think about those things, too. Yeah. And the bigger picture longing, I think, that we've all experienced in some way of longing for justice and longing for um, reconciliation and peace in different forms, Um, that there's that personal, intimate longing that we experience, and then kind of the collective longing that we have as a community. There was a a real... um, exciting and then very quickly turned challenging longing experience it kind of sounds frivolous but it's it's actually real like i was longing for the cubs to win the world series in 2016 <laughs> and then days later there was an election in this country and then i was longing for something else <laughs> and uh, so uh yeah it's it, it's multifaceted right yeah. Wait, waiting is all over life yes i'm a red sox fan so i can't oh yeah sorry I'm sorry that. yeah but. okay yeah well. <laughs> We, we, we actually have collective love, for, and I'm not going to go into sports. Theo Epstein, <laughs> woo, we, we're thankful for you. 
Uh, okay. <laughs> I think the, the, this, is, this is what we're getting at. There's like life presents us a great deal with learning how to wait well. If mm-hmm. we do not know how to wait well, if we do not know how to wait and, uh, and long and deal with uh, the disappointments that sometimes come with waiting and longing, if we don't have a grid to make sense of that in our minds, we're going to be in big trouble, right? Like there's, there's, uh, there, there's all sorts of things where waiting and longing uh, play into uh, our life. Mm-hmm. And if, uh, when we're waiting, I do not think it's just a, about being patient. It's also a matter of resilience, mm-hmm. being resilient in disappointment, right? Yeah. Uh, so there, uh, I, th- I think there's, there's lots to go here. So let's, let's talk first about um, harmful things. Let's talk first about like what are the what are the perspectives on waiting from like prayerful people or spiritual people that have I don't know not really worked for you. No doubt we've all encountered them. Yeah. So I think the first one I would name as the overly spiritual or spiritualized approach to waiting and longing and expectation. Um, and at its most extreme, this says all that matters is what's ahead. Um, that there is a reward in heaven. And so you can endure any hardship and dehumanization and pain um, while you just wait patiently. Like there isn't hope in the right now. There's only hope mm-hmm. in what's ahead. Um, the ultimate motivation is either heaven or hell. And this ignores the really real lived out conditions here and now yeah. that look a lot like health, like there's people actively experiencing pain now. Um, I think of King's letter from a Birmingham jail where he is addressing um, white clergy who have said like, you know, just wait. Um, We know that this isn't right. We know that this isn't um, just, but you know, you can sit in this place and wait because there's something greater ahead. and that waiting is invalidating and dismissive yep. and ignores a whole lot. Um, so I think in the overly spiritual hope is almost stagnant. Like there isn't a motivation or direction. Yep. It's just sit in this place because all that matters is what's coming. Yeah, I, I heard somebody phrase it once that um, this uh, over-spiritualized approaches to to waiting or to prayer, like longing for justice, for example, it makes people better victims. Hmm. And if our gospel is making people better victims, that that's not good. Like yeah. we, we, the, we the, the gospel is for victims, is on the side of the victims. It doesn't make it easier for people to be victimized. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good point. Yeah. What, um, I'm, I'm thinking about the the other side of our uh, the other side of our spectrum here. If we have over spiritualized as uh, the a, a real uh, a real unhelpful often approach to uh, what do we do when we wait, the other side I think would be the overly materialist side. So we're not talking about you know it'll be fine for you and when you're in heaven you know so just wait on. But instead, everything becomes about getting gratification right now. And, and I think that this one also becomes quite spiritual because it's all about, like, what are you praying for? Are you praying for that thing, that um, the next thing in your life? And if it doesn't happen, maybe you didn't pray enough, right? And so we're so obsessed with gratification for our prayers, answered prayers, and that becomes everything to us. And so we are really, like, I mean, in, in that, I think from that perspective, really, our religion is actually, like, 
materialism mm -hmm. or capitalism, but it's just we're using Christian language for that. Yeah. Um, or, you know, vice, like uh, alternatively, you could use like new age language, right? Like I'm putting positivity out into the universe is something that we often hear people talk about. And I think all of those things is actually just you're overly materialist. You're, you're, yeah. you're focused on outcomes and uh, prayers answered or the universe answering you. And it's just a revolving door of what's the next thing to wait for. And so I think also that approach is, is, is usually unhelpful because it does not prepare us for when a longing is deferred. It does not mm -hmm. prepare us for when we are disappointed. Yeah, and I think with both of these, um, it's harmful because there is a partial truth mm. in there. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really hard to hold an authentic hope when you're landing in either of these places. Um, that the overly materialistic place kind of puts you in your, your only options are success or despair. Right, right, um, right. There's not a lot of middle ground. Right, right. And but it sounds right because it's encouraging mm -hmm. you to pray, right? Yeah. It's encouraging you to have hope. That's the words that they use. It's a kernel of truth, but yeah. it, it just doesn't add up. Yeah, the way that it plays out. Yeah. Um, because when you take an actual look at the things going on in your life and it doesn't match up to what you are expecting. Like mm -hmm. you're not really, mm -hmm. it's so results driven right. that right. there's not a lot of room for how to sit in that place of waiting comfortably. And certainly the same is true for the over-spiritualized approach of like, Jesus had a lot to say about the, the life to come, what is not yet true. And when things don't come to pass, there is still hope for us. Absolutely. There was like, like Jesus had lots to say about that, but it wasn't that exclusively, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, well, that, I think that's a helpful transition to, um, to what we want to talk about. Is, is, here's, here's what we would recommend. Here's some helpful approaches, I think, uh, perspectives on waiting that are from uh, a spiritual perspective. And I think that, that kind of like what, how did Jesus talk about heaven and things like that is probably a, a really helpful place to begin. So do you want to take us to our first one? Yeah, so um, the first is that the kingdom of God is both now and not yet. Um, which can kind of be churchy language yeah, it's here. Yeah, churchy. Yeah, tell um, us what you mean by that. Yeah, so I have seen it as kind of this acceptance of reality and holding hope for what's okay. ahead, that we have that holding tension there. Mm -hmm. um, and we see this in the way that Jesus encountered people throughout Scripture, um, that there is this longing for them to experience a fullness of life that involves physical and spiritual Absolutely. and communal healing. Yes. Like there's some drive toward active change in the now. Yes. And there's the tension of holding the reality that we don't have a full, um, like there won't be the fullness of justice and grace and beauty and all of that. Like we don't have the fullness of that right now. It's so easy to look around and see just the absolute brokenness of things. Yeah. Um, and so to be in that space of holding both, that change matters now and complete restoration is something that we can long for over the like, grand scope of things. Yes, yes, yeah. I, I'm thinking about, like, if you peruse the Gospels and look at each of the instances where Jesus refers to the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, um, it's, it, Jesus says like all sorts of things. He'll say, sometimes he'll say the kingdom of God is here and it's among you and it's within you. And it's like, you know, so it feels very close. And then other times Jesus will say the opposite. Jesus will say the kingdom of God is not of this world or the kingdom of God is far off or is still, it's delayed in coming. And, 
And, and I think that is by design. That's not inconsistent. It's the idea that we have to hold both of those things at once. That's a, I mean, in one case, I think it avoids all of the things that we were talking about before of when you have people who are victimized by uh, societal injustice, you're not spiritually bypassing their, their, their lot in life. You're saying like, no, no, this, this really does matter. What is happening now matters because the kingdom of God is here. It is now. And also, there is this balance to that of like, there, I mean, don't we all know that like we will never see full restoration or like a, a correction of the wrongs in this life, you know? Like, I mean, I know that I think from, I think we know that just looking out from a big picture scale, but we also know that personally, right? You know, like we've experienced hurts from people mm -hmm. before. And then one of the beauty like of, of therapy for me has mm -hmm. been like, I've experienced hurts from people and I had to go to therapy to talk about that. And what I found was I was able to be okay even though that person never apologized to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, what? Like that, 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 that shouldn't, that I think is a picture of the kingdom is not yet because I didn't actually get an apology from somebody who wronged me, but I still feel okay. And that, that no longer is a splinter that hurts in my life. Yeah, the therapy language that I've picked up um, is this idea of radical acceptance, yeah. which I love. Yeah. Um, that you sit in a place of accepting things as they are, mm -hmm. but that doesn't cancel out any um, aspect of hope or longing or expectation. Like we're still able to move into that space, even when we have a sense of things being incomplete or not right. Yes. Um, I always go to healing stories okay. in the Bible yeah. when I'm thinking of this because I think it's really easy to identify people who are clearly longing for something. Like yeah. there is pain and disease. Um, and there's a longing for healing. But I think the really, the added piece of it all is that it moves into collective healing as well. Uh, I think of the story of Jesus encountering a woman who was bleeding. And in that culture, like this woman had very, very real individual pain yeah. and she would have been considered an outsider in the sense of like unclean. Yeah. Um, so it's not just individual. It's she, not she's, just she's individual. By the community. And so it shows that this idea of longing kind of goes beyond just our own individual experiences. Um, or even when Jesus encounters religious leaders and calls out hypocrisy and injustice, like that is a collective healing, a collective yeah. lo a longing for community to be restored. Right. Right. Um, so I think it's you can see more of this like creative approach that Jesus has beyond just the immediate needs and longings that offers a bigger picture um, justice and restoration that I think is a glimpse of that like ultimate hope that we can hold. Yeah, it's, he, he's able to do both at once in a lot of those stories yeah. that you're talking about. He, he is doing something that addresses people's current experience. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody who is considered an outcast in society, Jesus is embracing, and other people are looking on and watching that and seeing. That's going to change the culture. That's mm -hmm. going to change uh, how these people, like, they're going to go home and think about that later. And also, there is pointing toward, like, and also we need to get here. And yeah. so the, it, it is both the now and also the not yet, to use that language that you used before. Yeah. So kingdom of God, good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Um, another thought I had about um, a helpful perspective on waiting or longing is uh, it, it pertains to those waitings and longings that we feel uncomfortable or vulnerable to share because you know, we, we know that we should be more grateful, <laughs> you know, it's like, and so to the, for, these are the kind of things I think about earlier of to be in a relationship when you're single, you know, like, oh gosh, I should be so grateful. I shouldn't, I, 
or to have a new job if your job feels soul-killing to you or to get pregnant if you've been trying forever. These are things that's like, oh, man, I, I don't... They're vulnerable to share because we feel ungrateful if we share them or we feel like, oh, gosh, I, I should be... I, I, I don't want to be selfish. I, I shouldn't share that. Uh, so a pastor once taught me to want what we want with God. Hmm. Want, always. Just want what you want with God. And, and, and the idea behind this was like, there's no such thing as deciding to not want what you want. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else feels like this is the case. Like, so the alternatives to not wanting what you want is not like you just shut that off. It's you pretend <laughs> that you don't want it uh, because you don't want to appear selfish or you don't want to appear ungrateful. Or you like try to explain it away, right? You know, I, I, I want to protect myself from disappointment. So I'll just, no, I don't really want that. And so you try to explain. And this, this pastor's suggestion was like, don't, don't go through all that mental gymnastics. Just want what you want with God. Like God is not judging you or like uncomfortable to be with you. Or it's, it's like, God, you shared that out loud. God is not thinking that. And I got to be honest, like none of your closest friends are thinking that either. But we trick ourselves into, mm -hmm. into believing that. Um, and I think that in order to do that well, in order, like, I, I like that idea. I wonder if that, like, feels, yeah, okay, I'm just going to want what I want with God. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give in to that question of, like, hide it. Um, I think to do that well, we really have to take care with what our view of God is. Mm -hmm. Who is this God if we're doing that? And I, I do think, I want, I want to say that the conventional picture of God, I, I don't think helps us here. Like, conventional picture of God, if you grow up in America, is like God is, has the power, the all-controlling power of Thanos from the Avengers, right? You can snap the finger, and all of reality just changes. And and I think that's our picture of like, yeah, God has that power. God chooses not to use that power because God is so. It's not God is not like Thanos, but God has the power that Thanos has. And I actually think that that's a harmful view of God yeah. if we if we imagine God that way. Because when you are wanting or praying for something. If that's our view of God, then God, if we're, if we're wanting or praying for something and it's not happening, it's not coming, then we have to conclude that God has either chosen not to give it to us or permitted that to be the case. Yeah. So you probably are selfish. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you probably should be more <laughs> grateful. And I just, I think my encouragement is like, don't believe in that God. That's, that's not how we have to imagine God. Um, so the, the picture of God that I subscribe to is uh, an open and relational view of God. So those those words, open, open means that the, the, the future and life is not just God's predetermined blueprint, right? Everything is just kind of lays out according to God's plan. The, the future is not closed. It's open. That's the open part. And then relational in the sense that like life, this unfolding future that's happening is so, it's such a complex network of relationships and choices that people have made and choices that you have made and choices that those people over there have made and different factors and forces and events that have led to where we are. It's, it's impossibly complex, all of these interrelated things. And God is a part of that. God is a very powerful part of that. But we're also a part of that, right? Mm -hmm. and, and every other person in this room is a part of that. And every person watching online is a part of that. Every person in the world is a part of that interrelated world. So it's, it's a very relational world. And what that means, why this is helpful, I think, is because when we're praying for something or longing for something and it's not happening, we are released from this pressure that, like, well, that must mean something, right? God, it must be God's mysterious plan and I'm not listening. 
I must be selfish, or I must, I must be in, you know, locked in some sin, and then I won't have a miscarriage, or some horrible message like that, right? Yeah, this, this suffering was designed to teach me exactly. something. Teach yeah. you a lesson, right? Like, we can release ourselves. Like, not everything has to have all of that meaning. It can just be like, oh, well, this thing has not happened because I live in this impossibly complex world and, and maybe, you know, like all of the way that the, all of those factors that play into why anything happens, it just hasn't shaken out yet. But maybe, maybe like God is just as for me as ever, mm-hmm. right? Maybe, maybe God is, is on my side as much as God has ever been. And I think that, I think that we, we often don't realize like when we're in a place of longing, when we're in a place of waiting, God might be just as disappointed as we are. Mm-hmm. Like when, if you are with somebody who is, who has like a longing deferred or a waiting, like they're, they're, they're in disappointment, you would never say to that person, oh, you're just so ungrateful. You know, <laughs> like, like maybe, maybe, maybe you're, have you thought about what this can teach you? Like we would never say that to somebody who's like stuck in that place of such disappointment because we're nice, right? And God is nicer than we are. <laughs> and so I, I just think like, Having this, having this different view, this open and this relational view of the way life plays out and who God is allows us to stay in those places and just want what we want with God mm-hmm. and not have to assume that there's mu- there must be some meaning that I'm not getting this thing and God must be trying to teach me a lesson and, you know, that God is, 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 is I don't, it's just not a very nice guy. God is nicer than we are. I feel yeah, like. thank goodness. I, that, that, thank goodness, right? And I, I love this because it lets longing come from a place of curiosity hmm. that it's, it doesn't get in this, oh, I'm being selfish or yes. um, I can't long for things now, so I have to long for things to come. Yes. It lets you sit in this place of like, well, we have a relational God who is close. Yes. And so hope and longing are possible. And when we invite in that sense of curiosity, there's a lot more flexibility of when things go right and when things go yes. wrong. The, expectation yes. doesn't have to be completely destroyed by despair. Absolutely. And, and that, I think, is, is, is the other really powerful thing in this, is that from this view, God's all-powerfulness is not about like controlling power about what happened in life. God's all-powerfulness is no matter what happens, God can still redeem it. Yeah. That, that, that actually, I th- that, that's a much more powerful picture of redemption. Yeah. No matter what happens, no matter how long you are in despair or waiting for something, we cannot know the future. And from this view, God, God doesn't even know the future. But God knows how to bring about redemption in any situation if we can find that. And I find, I find, that, I find that worth following. That's a helpful view for me of like, I'm in this place. It sucks. I still want that same thing. I've been praying for the same thing for years or months or whatever it is, and I still don't have it. Where is God in this? I think God can be by your side as much as ever in the midst of that. Yeah, and it stresses that hope can come in relationship with God and relationship with community, yes. that it's not tied to any material success. It's not the outcomes, right? Yeah, it's yes. not the outcomes. Yes. It's the relationship and the process. Um, someone who has been a mentor and friend to me, Pastor Judy Peterson, has been, she's on Instagram, um, her handle is uh, at Walking Pastor, and she's been writing and reflecting on hope the past few days. And I was reading through some of it. It's like, oh, we have to, <laughs> we have to bring this Let's in because these yeah. words are yeah. so good. good. Yeah. But she, I'll read this for us. She writes, for most of the hopeful people that I know, hope is directly tied to those things we have not yet held in our possession. 
we have tethered ourselves to the discipline of hope so that we won't fall into a pit of despair while we wait for what we want. Hopeful people are more wayfinder than settler, more prophet than realist, more nursing mother than cynic, more bulldog than lapdog. We tenaciously hang on to hope because it provides us a clear vision of a future we refuse to believe is impossible. We grab hold of hope like a lifeline because disappointment has threatened to pull us away from the shoreline of life and hope is the way we keep pulling ourselves back. I love that. I love how visual it is, this idea of being tethered to hope. And it stresses that longing and waiting well and being hopeful is hard. Like that's a hard work. Um, I almost, I I feel like we have to leave it with Judy Peterson. That was so powerful. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's really good. Yeah, so if you want to follow Judy at Walking Pastor, um, maybe we can like kind of bring this in for a landing and then you could pray for us. Is that cool? Yeah. So like uh, just to to review what we've uh, kind of addressed here is there's a, there are helpful and harmful approaches to talking about despair, the despair of longing, the despair of waiting. And not everything that you hear, even if it's from church people, is going to be a good thing. <laughs> I wonder if you know that, right? Like, just because somebody who's, who's a, a supposedly a spiritual leader says something doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be helpful. Um, and so uh, our hope is that we've, we've kind of, like, talked about that a little bit and, and, uh, and acknowledged that that can be the case. Sometimes you might hear things from us that don't strike you as helpful, and, uh, and we want to own that, that, is, that is, uh, that's possible. Uh, but if we can give you a roadmap for whatever it is that you are waiting for, whatever it is that you are longing for, uh, and that maybe you've been doing that for a really long time, what we would say is that there, there are some harmful approaches out there. And um, over-spiritualizing or overly materialistic approaches to prayer, to praying for the things that you're longing for, uh, are out there, and they can hurt us. And depending on where we are in uh, you know the societal structures, if we're somebody who has our backs against the wall in society, or if we're somebody who's in power and privilege, we might experience these differently. And it's really important to know, like, what are the threats to me as a person? And so if you're a person with a marginalized identity, then that is, I think, over-spiritualizing is a real danger. And uh, to be on the lookout for those sorts of things that, um, that can, that can make, uh, make it sound like um, all faith does for you is make you a better victim of a society that doesn't care for you. And that's not okay. That is not okay. There is a much better picture of hope, like we see in Dr. King's letter from a Birmingham jail, that grabs hold of that idea that there is healing and ultimate restoration, and it is out there for us, but it doesn't mean that your experience right now doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's a really important one. And then on the harmful side, uh, for, for people who are in power and privilege, I think we, are, we swim in a world that tells us we can get the outcomes we want if we mm-hmm. try hard enough. And prayer becomes just another thing that we're supposed to try hard at. That is not going to serve us. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to help us when we're waiting and we're longing, especially for those deeper things that it's vulnerable to share about, right? The, the things that are like so, again, in that open and relational world where everything's so complex, we can't make... Uh, I was about to say something that's kind of funny. I was about to say, we can't make a baby happen. <laughs> well, I guess, suppose, we can't, we, we can't make a pregnancy happen, right? Like, we can't, uh, we can't uh, suddenly make it so that we fall in love, right? Those sorts of things. It, it doesn't work like that. And so uh, the overly uh, outcome-focused, material-focused uh, approaches to this, they're not going to serve us. But 
on the helpful side. I think we have this idea that Jesus taught about the kingdom of God being now and not yet, and we have this different way of understanding our world and our God, mm-hmm. an open and relational view on that, and I think those can serve us. Yeah. Just the, the reminder that longing and waiting are inevitable, and the answer isn't to not hope when those things don't come to be yes. or when restoration feels really far off. Um, I think longing is actually, it keeps us out of a trap of either apathy or bitterness Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and draws us into a greater awareness of God's presence. Um, But we, that idea of leading with curiosity, of staying tethered to hope, even when that discipline is really hard, um, that's what, that's what brings us joy. That's what brings more meaning into life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Haley, I would love it if you would pray for us. Yeah. Yeah. As we pray, I would love for you to bring to mind um, something that you are actively longing for or hoping for right now, and we will pray over that. God who sees us, God who waits with us, God who grieves with us, God who longs with us, we ask for a greater awareness of your presence that we would be able to invite you in to what we are hoping for, what we are wanting to happen. And as we bring to mind things that we are actively longing for right now, would we pay attention to the ways that our bodies feel? Um, I invite you to just kind of scan through your body from your head down to your feet. Notice how this feeling of longing feels within you. As you breathe, notice where there is tension. Maybe there is even a sense of calm or peace. Jesus, I'm so grateful that you model a way to sit in the tension of having active empowerment and restoration now and that you offer a beautiful picture of what complete redemption and restoration looks like. As we long and wait and hope for things, may we do so in community with you and with one another. In your name, amen.